Hello, everyone. You're listening to a new episode of the Mayor Tom Henry podcast. Thank you for tuning in. This is episode number 88, recorded on November the 7th, 2022, from Citizen Square in beautiful downtown Fort Wayne. On today's program, I'm excited to talk with someone who is fairly new to public service. However, he has hit the ground running as the leader and spokesman for keeping our community healthy. It's my pleasure to welcome today the new Allen County Health Commissioner, Dr. Thomas Goodwin. Goodwin. There Goodwin. we go. I want to yeah. make sure that we Goodwin. pronounce that right. Absolutely. Goodwin. Nope. I've heard it pronounced several different ways. Yes, so that's all right. I wanted to make sure. Uh, Dr. Thomas Goodwin, uh, under our program today. Dr. Goodwin, thank you for coming. Thank you very much for having me today. All righty. Well, we have a number of questions and concerns and, uh, and areas of interest that we'd like to talk about today. So, Dr., you were appointed as Allen County Health Commissioner in July. Yes. Uh, so you've been on the job now about four months, yes. roughly. Uh, what's your experience been so far? And I've, I've known your predecessors, yes, and I've uh, asked them similar questions. So uh, how are we doing so far? You know, um, yeah, this may be different from my predecessors. So, so far, I've been on the job, as you said, for four months. It's been excellent. I think that it's gone very quickly. Um, things have come at me, and most of the time, it's an educational experience for me. I've learned a lot. I spent a lot of time the first uh, month and a half visiting a lot of the areas of the health department, uh, from vector control to mosquitoes and rats, and and then looking at swimming pool water, and then also to the septic systems, and to the and then into the uh, care part where we take care of a lot of sexually transmitted infections, tuberculosis, and then uh, moved into different areas. So, and then we have the vital life, which we take care of all the birth certificates and death certificates. So a lot of that was educational for me. But what I found so far, number one, I really enjoy it. It's a lot of fun. It's great to do. Uh, I do want to do some public service, and this is a great way that I feel like I can provide that to the community. I've got a lot of experience in medicine, and hopefully I can bring a little bit of my knowledge and experience to this job. Doctor, you talked about uh, some of your responsibilities, and you just kind of glossed over some areas that I'm sure some people, some of our listeners, never realized that you had responsibility for. You said mosquitoes and rats? Yes. So we have a vector control department, and they go out, and uh, when they get complaints about rats in areas, then they'll go out and set rats. Fort Wayne's got rats? (laughs) A few. Now, luckily, there's not very many. And I didn't find many that had all the poison eaten, so hopefully they're all dying off. Actually, from time to time, we do have uh, citizens call us uh, about uh, rats, particularly around the river banks and so on. For some reason or another, we, we get calls from people mm-hmm. who live along the river about okay. rats. I don't know why, but that appears to be uh, uh, an area that uh, more often than not uh, that we get call- calls from concerning vermin. Yeah. Uh, so it's, that's the interesting. There. Uh, but I, uh, I know a lot of people, I think, don't, they don't realize that, yeah, we do have more than just mosquitoes and Right in Fort Wayne. Yep. Well, you come from uh, emergency medicine. Yes. Uh, and that's a specialty that you've worked in for about the last 30 years. Yes, almost uh, 30 years now. Now, are there parallels between emergency medicine and public health? And are there skills or tools that can be applied to each? 
Yes, well, I thought that this job would be a good match for me because a lot of what I do in the emergency department is look at people or sort out people that have acute infectious diseases. And as COVID came along, I mean, COVID's always out there or it's been out there for so long now. Uh, I had to learn a lot about that. And we had to be ready for those patients and, and prepared for those. And then as the other new infectious diseases come along or that have come along in the past, like Ebola and all those other things, we need to be able to recognize those. We do see patients in the emergency department occasionally from time to time with tuberculosis. Mm -hmm. And so being able to, how, how are we gonna manage that? So understanding uh, that that is a health, in, uh, health issue in the community, and then being able to take that over to the health department worked out really well for me. Well, you mentioned COVID. Mm -hmm. uh, and now that, uh, that's not nearly the threat that it once was. Correct. And we've learned a lot in the last uh, several years of the pandemic and, and how to adjust accordingly. And, and uh, the new strains, we appear to be adjusting to them as a, as a community much better uh, than we were initially. Uh, yes. Uh, vaccines have come out, boosters have come out, and so on. Uh, but the Omicron variant, uh, that's still responsible for a lot of the cases out there. What can you tell us about this and, and the vaccines that have come about as a result? And so yeah, so when, you know, when we started with uh, COVID, we had a uh, variants and we had more Delta variant that was really kind of the deathly one that caused a lot of problems at the end of last year. Um, and as you pointed out, we're really focused on the Omicron variant now. But when you talk about Omicron variant, there's really 20 different Omicron variants. So this, this virus continues to mutate and it mutates and mutates. But fortunately, when they put the new vaccine together, it's called a bivalent vaccine. So it does have half of the vaccine is made to fight the Omicron variant and half of it is made to fight the older Delta variant. So we're able to kind of t uh, get two birds with one stone with this type of vaccine. So the reason we do uh, really encourage people to get the uh, new bivalent vaccine is because the Omicron variant, even though it doesn't cause the deaths that we saw with the previous variants, it still causes a lot of illness and it still causes patients to have what we call long COVID, um, which gives people like a brain fog or maybe some fatigue syndromes, muscle syndromes, neurologic problems. Those types of things last for months. And if we can avoid those or prevent that, then that's really what we want to do. So by getting that bivalent vaccine, which is different from the old vaccine, um, that's what you need to do. Now, you do need to have the initial series two vaccines uh, that were put out in January of 2021. That's the Pfizer and the uh, Pfizer and Moderna. Moderna. Yep, those two, you need to get that initial series before you get the bivalent uh, booster shot. But if you've had those, and most a lot of people, 68% of the people have had those back in, in usually in 2021, mm -hmm. then they're eligible to get the bivalent today. Well, you know, the 68%, 70%, I thought was relatively good for our country, realizing that uh, it was all voluntary. Uh, mm -hmm. I know in some countries it was almost mandated that yes. people get uh, get uh, vaccinations. Uh, but I understand that the boosters uh, are not nearly as uh, popular as, yes. as the original. Yes, a lot of people are, I think, worried about the booster because they didn't feel very well when they got the initial COVID vaccine. Mm -hmm. They're worried about having a little bit of reaction. It is an inconvenience, I would say, where you may be, you may feel ill for a day, or you're not going to be up to up to speed for one day. 
But I think it's a better option than getting either A, long COVID, mm -hmm. or B, getting sick from work and having mm -hmm. to miss a week at work mm -hmm. because you've been out. And then C, worrying about things if you have to go fly somewhere or if you're going to a restaurant, um, just to go out to go to church and those mm -hmm. types of things in the community. You're just going to decrease the uh, prevalence of the disease in the community. And what we want to do is to decrease the overall number of people in the community that have it so that it's not spread and as rampant. And it just it just really, um, you know, we don't as, to be a healthy community. We want to be a working, thriving community and we want people to get out, be able to go bicycling, bicycling, all those types of things that we talked about or that I talked about. But I think that um, uh, so getting that vaccine, I think, can help them do that. I'm going to make you go out on a limb here a little bit. Sure. Uh, I'm of the school of thought that eventually uh, we're going to be in a position where you're just going to be uh, asked to get an additional uh, vaccine every year along with your flu vaccine mm -hmm. uh, for COVID-related variants. Uh, and pretty soon, I think that's just going to be the normal course of action. Do you agree with that or do you think we're going to be going down a different path? No, I think I think definitely it's probably going to take us a couple more years to get to there to, to get to that. Uh, but I think that the, uh, the flu vaccine will be combined with the COVID vaccine. I think that we've got we've learned a lot about viruses in the past couple of years and we know there's more than just COVID, there's more than just influenza. There's other viruses, rhinovirus, enterovirus, mm -hmm. respiratory syncytial virus which has been out in the news a lot now. Mm -hmm all those different viruses and i think there's an absolute uh significant amount of work being done today to to uh, make those vaccinations better for all of those viruses so maybe there will be i suspect too there will be a combination well what about the flu you mentioned influenza uh we've heard a lot about it in the news lately mm -hmm. uh what do you think we can expect uh, this season uh, especially with children. I know a lot of uh, pediatric hospitals, children's hospitals are apparently really filling up with uh, flu type of, of, uh, mm -hmm. uh, of illness with, with children. But what about, not only that, but what about the, the, uh, the flu season in general? Are you expecting a significant increase this year? Yes, I don't think it's if, but I think it's when. When. And I think that uh, the flu season, just as we're trying to uh, get our hands around why is respiratory syncytial virus so bad this year, I, uh, the only best or the best explanation I can give is because we've had a little bit of suppression of the transmission of that virus. So a lot of us were not exposed to mm -hmm. those viruses. A lot of children, um, less than three, were not really out in public a lot. They didn't go to school. They didn't go to daycare. Mm -hmm. They didn't go to church. So they are now being exposed to these viruses that for the past two years they hadn't really been exposed to. So they're getting their first taste of that. I think the flu virus from what we see overseas is what we try to follow what may happen here. And we're seeing significant um, flu seasons in Australia. So we expect usually to have a significant flu season here. What I've learned as an emergency physician, I'll just throw that in, it doesn't, it might happen, it'll typically happen start about Christmas and then it'll last about two months. Um, I think it's a lot of people getting together in the holiday season. Uh, I think it's everybody staying inside, and it's just the timing of it all. But that's typically when we'll see it. Sometimes we'll see it late in March. Sometimes we'll see it in November. But over the past several years, I've seen more commonly for it to happen start right around Christmas time. Yeah, this does seem to be an, uh, a, a uh, starting very early this year. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, and I, 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 
agree with you. Uh, people need to get their flu shot. Now, understanding that a flu shot doesn't cover all strains of influenza. Correct. Uh, but the ones that they uh, seem to think might be the most prevalent ones this year. Is mm-hmm. that just the foremost com- the, the ones that are for the foremost likely strains that are going to really af- affect most of the people? Well, Doctor, the governor's uh, public health commission they recently issued a report outlining ways to improve the state's public health system, including bolstering funding for mm-hmm. public health. Uh, what are some of the health challenges that, that Fort Wayne uh, in Allen County is facing? I I know there are some that. Uh, have historically uh, come up in conversations and in discussions, uh, things like uh, type 2 diabetes, mm-hmm. uh, obesity, uh, obviously smoking continues to be a challenge in our community, uh, infant mortality. Uh, those appear to be uh, brought up uh, pretty regularly in conversations. Are, are those four still the ones in the forefront, or have you, as uh, the health commission, have you uh, seen other ones that, that appear to be uh, surfacing as well? I think the uh, those are four important items, but I think the other one that's probably moving to the forefront is mental health uh-huh. and substance abuse. Um, so opioid overdoses, as we've heard, has mm-hmm. been terrible. 90,000 people died in the United States last year from mm-hmm. overdoses. 70,000 70, of those were from opioids. And a lot of those are from fentanyl. So this is a really difficult problem. And I mean, when you look at law enforcement, they have, you know, they're doing their job, and then and then the health department's trying to do their job. But I think this is going to be a take a wide community effort. And um, what I think we need to do is to get a really like a project manager just to work on this project and what we need to tie together. I think the answer to this solution, I don't have the answers, but I think one approach is going to be to do some education. I think we have to continue to educate, not just in uh, in the public, to the public arena, but I think we have to start in the schools, too. I think that the uh, there's a campaign out there that's one pill can kill, and I think that's an important story. I've seen that happen. I've seen kids that don't really take pills much. They don't, there's, they don't do a lot of drugs, and then they take one pill at a party, and that pill may be a Percocet pill, but it's not really Percocet. It's cut with fentanyl. fentanyl. So the fentanyl is what really then kills them, and that's and you hate to see that. So the opioid problem is huge, and it's something that I think is definitely moving to the forefront in my mind. You also mentioned mental health. Uh, I know we've had a, a couple of different educational sessions uh, from this administration, uh, and I know some of our uh, high school students have taken it on as, uh, uh, as uh, seminar topics and, and mm-hmm. the like. Uh, I think that a lot of the increase in uh, the discussion and conversation involving mental health and the reason I think it came to the forefront uh, now is because of the challenges that people had during the pandemic Mm -hmm. Uh, whether it was depression because they lost their job or they lost a loved one due to COVID uh, uh, the the stress of working from home sometimes versus the office Uh, are, are we getting enough funding uh, from the state and from the federal government relative to the needs in the mental health area? I'm assuming the answer is no, but right. uh, uh, do you see any kind of, of change in, in uh, uh, 
uh, not only funding sources, but in uh, the the feelings about about mental health as a real challenge from, from those in charge. Yeah, I think um, from the th- the things about mental health that are changing. Uh, well, one, we are going to get a little bit of money from the opioid settlement, yeah, sure. uh, so that'll help all the communities across the state of Indiana and actually nationwide. Um, two. Um, the feelings on mental health, the big thing out there is to reduce the stigma. We need people to ask for help. We need people to recognize that they have an issue. And then, then, and then not only um, that, but the, so awareness that we have help for them, but also make that help accessible. And I think that we need to look at a community, as a community, look together at how are we helping these people. When they call the new 988 number, mm-hmm. that the suicide number or the help number for psychiatric issues, that they can get help in a timely manner. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's a narrow window of opportunity to help those people, whether it's an opioid problem or whether it's a depression problem. That's Those types of things have a narrow window. If you don't get a hold of that person and bring them in and be able to talk with them and give them some assistance or some help in the next 24 to 72 hours, you may lose that person. And, th- and that's what we really have to focus on, making that help accessible to everyone, making it affordable to, for everyone, and then making everybody aware of the fact that we have that. Doctor, we've talked about a number of issues today already in just this short period of time. Uh, is there anything that I've left out or anything that, that's a, a real concern to you that our community should, should be acutely aware of? Um, I think, uh, well, just I just wanted to touch on the, you mentioned the Governor's Public Health Commission and funding for that. I wanted to just retouch on that. That That's a big issue because we fund, right now, Indiana is funded um, around 42nd or 46th in, of all yeah. states. And we spend about half of what other people do on a per-person basis. So we're looking really to bring us up to average by having additional funding. And what that additional funding would help us do at the uh, Department of Health, we do a lot of help right now. We can't, we don't have the resources to help all the other counties when they have a tuberculosis case or when they have a case that needs some help. Um, and then I think the um, what we can do, you know, when, when monkeypox came out, yeah. that was an issue. And do we have the resources to, to do that, to manage that, to help vaccinate and to have those things available? We really don't have any bench strength at all. Um, so when that kind of thing comes on, they have to drop their other jobs and move into this arena. So it's really like tip for tat. You can't mm-hmm. do both. Right. Um, so what we want to do with that funding is increase our, um, the resources that the state has um, so that we can all tap into those resources so that we can all have better information, better knowledge base, better infrastructure from an IT standpoint, and then also have um, resources that we can go to schools better. That's a really important thing, as I mentioned. I think getting to the kids mm-hmm. and having somebody that can coordinate with the schools programs and do more education. That's you probably a really need good to thing. You probably need to start as as early as primary grades. Right. Uh, right. They they need to really uh, have that knowledge uh, as a base uh, at an early age. By the time you get into high school, that they have other things on their mind. Yeah, I would assume. Yep, and I think that that's how you can break the cycle. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, when I look at opioid deaths, we review some of those on an individual basis. And you look at the history that the, that the individuals had and the difficulties that they've had in life, and you need to figure out what do they need? What could we have done to intervene at an earlier time? 
So we're looking at those types of things, and that's what, as a community, we work together. We have a, a, a tremendous number of great agencies in this community. I mean, I love Fort Wayne. I mean, I, I've lived here now, like I said, almost 30 years. I love it here. I think it's got huge potential. I think that it's already done great things economically. I think we've done great things with the city. I think that, you know, the downtown today from where it was 20 years ago is a whole different place. But I think from a health perspective, I want Fort Wayne to be on the map from a health perspective too, as a positive thing, not a negative thing. So people want to come here to retire. It's a great cost of living area. They have great, we have great facilities, hospital care, but we also need great public health care. I should make you part of my PR staff. That was great. <laughs> well, with that, doctor, that's really all the time we have for today. Doctor, thank you so much for coming on the program. Uh, before we go, how can our listeners keep up to date with, with the health department? Do you have a website that they yes. can access? Yep, the website, the health department website has resources that they can use. If you have a question about anything related to your health, you can call the health department and we have people that answer the phones and direct you to whether you have a mosquito problem or whether you have a, a restaurant issue or whether you have a health question about mm -hmm. COVID, whether you need a COVID test, we can supply those also. So we do that, whether you, we do a lot of refugee health, Help. So if the refugee, you know, if they need some help, and we have a health clinic that's open uh, five days a week that provides, uh, you know, uh, vaccinations and for travelers, but for also for local people, and then also they provide um, care for other infectious problems. And they can reach that through. Uh, they just need to call the uh, health department. Very good. Yep. Well, again, with that, thank you, doctor, and thank you to our listeners for tuning in today. It is another great day in the city of Fort Wayne, so let's keep our momentum going. This is Mayor Tom Henry, and we'll see you again soon.